Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today is a fashion designer and brand owner who made his name as a result of his unique one-off pieces which have taken the industry by storm. From a young age, he was always interested in fashion and entrepreneurship and after training at some of the top fashion institutes in the world in Milan and London, decided to make the move to Dubai and launch his own fashion brand back in 2015. Fast forward to today, he has enjoyed incredible success. His work and collections have been featured in numerous publications including Vogue Arabia, and he has established himself as one of the most exciting fashion brands bringing a modern twist to traditional clothing. During this episode, we discuss his journey to become a fashion designer, he shares with us his knowledge and experience regarding the ins and outs of the fashion industry, and we talk about the importance of constantly creating in order to find and build your audience. His understanding of history and culture have given him a unique perspective on fashion and have been key factors in his success. By not following the standards of the fashion world in terms of seasonality, he has been able to truly focus on the quality and vision of his collections. And the last message he wanted to share with us is to acknowledge your privilege in this world. Remember that we all have a voice. Never give up. And eventually you will find your tribe who will resonate with your vision and work. Please welcome to the show, my good friend, the one and only Mr. Zaid Farui. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. So Zaid, me and you have known each other for a while. And I remember when you were first starting out in like your fashion journey. And here you are four or five years later. And to see what you've done is amazing. And I haven't had anyone on the podcast that's in fashion. So I thought it'd be amazing to have someone who actually understands this industry and understands everything that goes on behind it. But before we get on to the little, all the nitty gritty details, why don't you give all of us just a little bit of background about Zaid and we'll take it from there. All right. So um, I started off with the background or I have a degree in business administration and marketing actually and I uh, to keep kind of because my I come from an Arab background and Middle Eastern parents (laughs) the arts was not an option so I got a degree in business administration and marketing to keep like the inspiration flowing I minored in art and then once I did that I moved and got a second degree in fashion design yeah so and then I eventually moved to Dubai. So I moved from DC where I got my first degree to Milan to Dubai. I am Jordanian Palestinian and third generation in Saudi with American passport. Right, yeah. So like if you wanna know like the whole background, this is me. That's you, yeah. And something when I was doing my research and I read on your website, like the about us page is like exactly what you just said. <laughs> I had to do a four year degree first and then I was allowed to do whatever I wanted. I'm like, that's the most Arab parent thing <laughs> in the world. <laughs> but then you went from there. So you went you went to D.C., you did your marketing and business administration, and then you did, uh, I think you had a blog at the time, too, right? I did. I did. Um... What was it about? It was actually just fashion, keeping up with the fashion news. I felt like I was so distant out of the fashion world. You know, D.C., it's not in New York, L.A., or Milan, or Paris. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I wanted to keep up with the world, what's happening. So I just started this little blog. Uh, eventually stopped it when I kind of went into fashion school. But it's, it's like you're in it now. Then. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Because I just wanted to keep up with the news and share with people what I see on the daily, what I really enjoy, what I love. And um, actually, I kind of, looking back at it, I'm always like, oh, should I start it again? Uh, Why not? Yeah, but it's it's still there. You can actually go see it and see (laughs) my inspiration and what I thought about. Yeah, it'd be cool to go back and look at like what you're talking about back then and like see like to where you are now. Exactly. Yeah. And you also went to, so you went to uh, Milan and you studied there uh, and 
that must have been a pretty amazing experience. That was oh my god! That like was you're like, at home, kind of you know. Yes. That's where you always wanted to be. But it was so scary as well. Mm. I so I have this tendency of loving to pack up and moving、uh, okay. as well. Okay. I I kind of don't have that fear,、um, and so I moved to Milan not knowing a single soul. I didn't speak Italian,、mm. not know a single soul, and I just moved there. And、uh, I think it was such an experience. It's just finding yourself. Yeah. For sure,、yeah. you're in like your own, like you're in a foreign country. You don't know the language, and you're pro. And the school sounds like I don't. I'm not familiar with like what a good fashion school is. But if you're in Milan, I'm pretty sure it was a good one. It was a good one. It was a really intense one, and、uh, I must say, like it was really worth it.、Um, but it was just definitely another learning experience. Like you know, at least like when I moved to the U.S., I'm from there. I knew the city. I. I spoke the language over there. It was just like, oh, hey, nothing. You're、yeah. just getting thrown <laughs> there. Thrown in, yeah, yeah, for sure. How long were you in Milan for? I was there for a year and a half. Year and a half.、Yeah. Okay, and so and that is that what that's how long the course was. That's okay. So in in Italy or in Europe in general,、uh, except for the UK, which is surprising. So if you want to know Arab, that's kind of they have that gene in them. So even in the fashion industry or in the arts. You don't get a bachelor's degree; you get a diploma. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. That's very. It was very interesting. Like I didn't know that until I got there, and so whether you, so what they had is an option in that university. It's like actual the three year diploma,、okay. crunched into one and a half. Oh wow! So like whatever you're producing in three years, you're creating in one, which is a fully intense、wow. course. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, major mental breakdowns, etc. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure.、Um, but it was worth it, and especially that I had my bachelor's degree. I wanted to go more into that than have like another three year. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, you wanted to just like get the like the skills or the diploma you needed to pers- keep pursuing what you wanted to pursue. You had that to fall back on, like if you know、uh, worst case scenario. But then from there, you also moved to London, didn't you? Correct. And how was that? <laughs> London was another experience for me. I had never lived there either,、um, so I moved to London just to kind of fill out the gaps、uh, that I felt that I lacked、um, from my Italian course. Okay. Or I wanted to kind of learn more of the details. Sure, sure.、Uh, so I went there and learned how to embroider, for example.、Mm. Um, I went there to learn how to. <clears throat> Actually,、um, st- stitch in a very specific technique、okay. for high-end pieces or couture pieces.、Mm. So it was just very focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Um, it did the courses over there.、Um, honestly, after living in a Mediterranean country and coming from a Mediterranean country, you can't compare living in Northern Europe. I'm like, <laughs> take me back to the Mediterranean. This is where I am at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So and so you went so DC, Italy, London, and then Dubai. Back to Dubai. You, no, I、uh, never lived in Dubai.、Before. You never grew up here. Oh, okay. No. So what made you decide to come to I guess Dubai? It was. Do you want to know the full-on kind of? I took the decision actually in the shower. Okay.、Uh, <laughs> okay. That's when the best ideas come, anyway. Um, I um, had learned that Design District was opening up. They had just announced it, so it was back then. Everything was still on paper. Got in contact with them. 
And I think that's kind of a reoccurring theme in my life, that kind of the Arab part. Uh, I was finishing up my course in Milan, and I wanted to figure out where I want to move next. Yeah. Um, I had my heart on staying in Italy. Okay. But it just didn't make sense in a way, uh, personally or even business-wise. Yeah. Um, so it didn't make sense because I needed to figure out how to, well, as an American, you could reside there, but you, you have to be in and out. You can't reside more than a few months without a permanent residency. Yeah, of course. Um, but to get a permanent residency and start your own business was another hassle. And then again, we kind of sat there with my mentors and we figured out that at the end of the day, if I were to launch something in Italy or I were to launch something in the US, um, I'm still labeled as the Arab. So Okay, that's interesting. Um, I knew um, kind of off the bat, like I needed to move back to the region and be part of that community that's rising up. And D3 was just announcing, well, D, for people that don't know D3, it's the Dubai Design District. It's a full district for designers and creatives. And so I moved here. Um, I knew at the end of the day, this is home. Uh, this is where I have to be kind of back in the region. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. One thing I never actually considered is what you just said about you'd be seen that way in those kind of countries. Oh, you are the Arab designer in Italy or the Arab designer in the US. And I never I never thought of that and how that could potentially be a roadblock for you. Like even if you have like amazing stuff like moving forward, people could see it maybe as differently and so on. Or do you think that's that's that that is the reason or what do you what do you think? It couldn't be the road it's not a roadblock. So for example, <clears throat> what happens a lot in the fashion industry is like grants and opportunities, etc. Okay. So, um, you know, and people tend to support people from their home country because it's certain talent that needs a lot of cash. Sure. Yeah, um, for sure. So people tend to kind of support them within, tend to support the same community. Um, first of all, I mentioned I don't speak Italian. Sure. Um I could barely get a like I could get around with my broken Italian, yeah. but I needed another course to actually get to where I needed to be. Um, but then again, uh, even in the U.S., being American, you're still Arab American, like you're yes. hyphenated. Yes, you are. Um, that has and today our biggest market is the Arab American market. I one of yeah. the largest. So there sure. are people who live there, and that's who we cater to, uh, which is a great thing. Uh, but I felt like we needed to kind of come back into the region because also, if I may say, like if I'm in Europe, how many people, how many designers and creatives, it's an institution, it's something, it's a fashion industry over yeah. there. Yeah. In the U.S., it's a continent on its own. Literally, yeah. Um, over here, you had kind of better opportunities to rise. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so we, I looked at it that way from more of a business perspective than, oh, where did I feel like living? If yeah. I felt like living, <laughs> I... You would have stayed in there. I would have stayed in there. <laughs> no, I think, that's a sm I think that's a very smart move and a, and a good point that... Because you came when Design District, I guess, was just, like you said, just starting, so... 
there probably would have been more opportunities from you. And Dubai's small. So in like Milan, in like the US, you're like trying to jump into an ocean and try to make a name for yourself. But here you have a much, I guess, better chance of getting your name out there and getting the success that you want. But you said that you were always interested in fashion. When I was doing my research, you were always interested. So where did this passion come from? Was it like from when you were a kid or walk us through like all that? Because you seem pretty set on it that you knew this is what you wanted to do. All right. Um, so I've always been the creative type in general. Sure. I went to a nerd school, so I wasn't allowed to showcase any of my creativity like growing up. Uh, literally just lectured in maths and art uh, sorry maths and sciences and that was it that was like your future um funny enough um <clears throat> that school sent me a few years later after graduating they're like how please do tell us how the maths and sciences have affected your career and i'm like <laughs> i didn't even answer <laughs> i'm like you're kidding me like i paint for a living <laughs> and i draw for a living Nothing. Thanks for the math. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's been. Um, so my mom's an interior designer. Uh, actually, okay. um, it's something of a generational thing. My great grandmother was a painter as well. She we even have some of her illustrations and drawings, etc. So it's something that creative kind of. Um, always been like around you it's uh, yeah it's been in the family it's been in the family yeah um i think just coming from arabs or coming from a middle eastern family no one capitalized onto it except you could be like an architect an interior designer sure so my mom's family does have the architects the interior designers etc uh but it wasn't like oh hey there's a painter in the family or there's a designer no it wasn't that it was just the architects interior designers (laughs) all over yeah so were you, when you decided to make that decision and you got your four-year degree and you're like, okay, mom, dad, now I want to go do this. Were they still, did they still have some hesitation or they're like, Khalas, okay, we, the deal, we made the deal. So like now it's okay. No, big time hesitation. Yeah. <laughs> big time. Uh, big time hesitation. But the thing is, is that I'm, the, I'm a, I t- well, I tend to believe I'm a calm child. Okay. So like I finished my business degree. It's supposed to be a four-year course. I finished it in three and a half. Okay. Um, I'm that type of person. Like, I'm not a crazy party goer or anything of that sort. So, kind of, if I have something in my mind, I'll just get it done. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was part of, like, oh, here, there. It's a year. Like, what is it gonna be? Like, yeah. Let yeah. him go figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. What do they think now? I think they're proud and happy. I think they should be proud. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> ask them. I think that's the better people to ask. Um, <clears throat> but I think there there was a very big question mark um, for a while. Sure. You know, coming from our background in general. Yeah, of course. It's not the, I guess, typical field that someone would go into. I think it's not the typical field either. And I think especially coming from the my personal family background mm-hmm. it wasn't um either that like i think as well like i always related back we as palestinians have so much baggage that we come with especially with work and work ethics and like you just put your head down and get it done get it done um so that was just like 
where is the stability in it? Like mm. you need to figure out somewhere that you're going to be stable and thrive in it rather than yeah, something that you're going to for the rest of your life. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I relate to that sentiment so much. You have no idea. <laughs> so Zaid, all your pieces, correct me if I'm wrong, are handmade or at least the the like art pieces, right? Correct. You like I think the way you described it is you want it to be someone to be a walking piece of art. Correct. So when you're design, because I've seen some of your pieces, I'm like, in my mind when I see that stuff, so just a little bit of background. So my ex girlfriend was a fashion designer. So I've been to the fashion shows. I've done done the software runs for the for the fabric and for all that and. It always blows my mind how, like, there's like it's a blank piece of paper, and then like this drawing comes up, and then like you see it in real life. Like in my mind, because it's so far from like my talent or anything I can do, it always I find it so interesting. So when you're thinking about, let's say, um, like a special piece or something, what what's the creative process that comes behind it? Like how does it where does it start? Then how do you pick like the fabric? Then how do you like decide? This is how it should be made and so on. You know, walk us through that process because I think it's really interesting. Okay. Um, so a lot of the times it's just kind of an idea or a story that I have. So we don't do collections. We're not seasonal. We just do that one-of-a-kind pieces. But they all kind of stem from different themes or stories that I call. Okay. And I think I'm just stuck or fascinated by one story that I just take that and create pieces. So for example, our first story was like the woman that walks into a castle and okay. nothing lights her path except for candles. Okay. And so all I can imagine is someone walking and like nothing lighting her path except for candles. She is the heir of that mm. kind of uh, residence. And so I just kind of, it just goes there. Okay. I, it's just part of the whole storytelling uh, experience. Um, sometimes fabrics fix. So if I have something in mind and I'm fabric shopping or, uh, something that I see in the studio, um, just tells me the, uh, tells me how the piece should be done. I don't, it just speaks to me. Yeah. 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 I speak to objects, I guess. Yeah. So it's just that, so it sounds like you just get your, it's a combination of like an inspiration from something and like just a story that you love or that you resonate with, I guess. And when you're with and you said something interesting because you don't make you don't make collections and i because i saw every because i think if correct me if i'm wrong the typical thing you have like the seasonal collections or you have like two a year so why did you decide not to follow that i guess the traditional route why do you feel that why do you like doing the one-off pieces more okay so we have the one-off pieces under the brand zaid farui and then we yeah. have the ready to wear or the more casual pieces under yeah. the brand zaid by zaid farui um, so the ready to wear and the one of a kind pieces from the beginning, I believe that, the, well, first of all, the fashion industry, you have at least two seasons. So spring, summer, fall, winter Yeah. for every year we produce six months before we showcase the collection six months before the season. Okay. Um, that's interesting. How come? Why so early? <clears throat> because... Six months before the season, people place their orders doing that fashion show. And then you have like that time space to produce and then send them out to the studio, to, to the shops, etc. Okay. Um, and of course, you need to beat the season. So they have to be in the stores before the fall, winter. Mm. So it's just... Like planning ahead, like timeline kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, 
also so that's a minimum of two but because of fast fashion and like people had to large brands had to compete now with zara and h&m and all those brands um they started introducing more collections into their year okay so you would do fall winter spring summer now you do a cruise collection and then Mm. you do a capsule collection or a a a small collection so now there are four and that's for every single so that's for women and that's for men and so that's at least eight collections a year yeah which is complete nonsense to me because coming from a small business that's just launching and then not really um not having external funding or anything of that sort sure yeah that is just how are, how are you able to compete with that? Yeah. And it, already the system is rigged where it's just... And automatically before going into the fashion industry, there was talks about how the future of fashion, how is it going to change? Um, and because the system of having eight collectors, eight collections a year is unsustainable. It's burnout for the creatives. It's yeah, everything of that sort. Sure. Um, so... I was just like, I threw the whole idea out of the door. I'm like, I'm, if I'm showcasing, I'm showcasing once a year for the one-of-a-kind pieces. Uh, anyways, we're a small team. By the time the year turns around, we barely have, like, I'm, I, I, we showcase about six looks. Yes, six looks. Um, by the time we produce the pieces, and that's how it went. And with our ready-to-wear, when we launched our ready-to-wear line, it's actually a men's line that's unisex so like women are able to buy into it and uh, so it's kind of genderless uh, clothing and seasonless as well so it was just a no-brainer yeah and but <laughs> the was the the ready-to-wear side to the business came out more recently than the than the original right correct yeah because um we launched it came out in our third year of business because we got well at that time there was fashion forward which is the fashion week over here okay and um we collaborated with mini cooper on launching a menswear line so previously we're just doing women's wear yeah and then we did a menswear line a capsule collection for ready to wear men's line and we really found a gap in the market okay and we capitalized on it okay and which do you enjoy designing more women's clothing or men's interesting i think i enjoy both as equals um because men's i can tend to be able to wear them and pull them off and try them on and yeah yeah. do the whole thing but i think women's clothing you tend to be more creative and Mm. out there and forward yeah uh, men still have their reservations. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's that's exactly the point. Like with women's clothing, you can like almost like let loose because there's gonna there's gonna be it's just easier. You know, there's a higher chance that women will wear something like really out there than a guy. Oh, a hundred percent. Just not give me a t-shirt and I'm happy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and something you said that I so this is something I've never understood: the fashion show, right? So I've been to some and I've watched some as well. Now, I look at those shows and I'm like, and they're the most like crazy things I've ever seen. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is a fashion show. So I'm supposed to be advertising clothes that you would 
eventually wear it. But I've see, I see lots of things in fashion show. I'm like, no one in the world is going to wear this. Do you understand what I mean? So what's the purpose of a fashion show? Maybe I just don't understand or how, because you said after the show, then that's how you plan for later on in the year. And that's when like you advertise your stuff there. So just walk me through what the purpose of it is. So do you want historically or what's happening right now? Let's do both. Okay. So historically speaking, it was kind of, you had your atelier or et cetera. Um, and you would invite your clients, editors, etc. Very small, intimate. And you'll have the model walking down, showcasing the pieces okay. and kind of place their orders or boutiques, et cetera, and place their orders. So we're talking back in the day when Christian Dior was alive and Chanel, et cetera, that was how, and, um, that's how they sold their pieces. You invite your clientele, the media, um, some publications, boutiques, et cetera, and placed orders that way. And I think as we evolved, uh, as the industry grew and there is more money to it and there is kind of more cash and visuals and marketing, et cetera, the bigger fashion shows became. And the fashion shows are more or less just a show of strength and marketing. When you say marketing, I understand. What do you mean by strength? Uh, creative strength. So you're showcasing why you're saying this, like, why do, why do you find like, um, pieces that may not be worn to a normally on a normal day, because yeah. I'm showcasing my full on, it's like you're flexing, okay. you're flexing your creativity. Okay. Uh, that's why like, if you go into the largest boutiques there are, they'll tell you, oh, here's the t-shirts, the pants or et cetera. And then this is a runway piece and you'll find out the most over the top piece. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how it is. So what happens is that I showcase my kind of, I flex with what creatively I have or the direction I'm going with. Mm -hmm. Those pieces go to editorials, go to celebrities, etc. for the people, or they're custom made for a certain uh, client, mm -hmm. a client base or placed orders. And then you kind of take certain elements, deconstruct them and make them more wearable street style day to day outfits. Okay, interesting. Okay, so I, that makes a lot now makes a lot of sense. That those are just I think you said it perfectly like flexing, you know, like this is what we can do. This is how we're thinking. And the fashion that comes after the show is derived from certain elements in all that. Exactly. Okay, I got you. That and it's no longer now like the buyers you still it's now no longer the buyers, editors, etc. It's like celebrities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll have the editors, you'll have uh, the influencers, etc. But the buyers and all of that now happens later on behind closed doors. So yeah. one on one appointments. It's yeah, no yeah, longer yeah. that, uh, let's say a financial thing. Mm. It's more or less purely marketing. Purely marketing, yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. One thing I was thinking about is, you know how people can, like, for example, I look at, like, Japanese, like, Japanese, like, street culture and, like, how they, like, the way they dress. Yes. And I'm like, I would dream to be able to, like, dress like that because it's just so cool. But this is what I would say to myself and what I think a lot of people would say as well. Oh, you can't pull it off. So that term, pull it off, who's the, like, is that a legit thing? Or is it just like my perception or like are people's perception of things like, oh, he couldn't pull it off, she couldn't pull that off, I can't pull that off. I think what it's is just your it? own perception. It's just your, your own. Your own. Okay. It's purely your own perception of yourself. Okay. So if no one is going to say, if you're able to 
pull it off and wear it, people will think, oh, he pulled it off. Okay, so I'm, you're the one who decides if you can pull it off or not. Exactly. Okay, that's interesting. But I think there's something that also, do you think that holds people back from like really like experimenting a lot more and like trying, you know, new looks and new things? Oh, definitely. Yeah? Definitely. And let's not forget there are certain, so it really also depends on the personality of the person. So okay. in a way, when we're designing, even as designers, the clothing shouldn't be wearing you, you should be wearing it. So what does that mean? Okay, so at the end of the day, the clothing is just that, is there to make you in the most kind of beautiful form or okay. send out an image or anything mm. of that sort. But at the end of the day, you're in power. So it's you wearing the clothing. Okay. And it shouldn't be like the clothing wearing you in a sense that it shouldn't be overpowering you as a person. I see. Okay, so it should like kind of match my personality and if anything emphasize my personality and who I am exactly ah okay I got you okay that makes a lot of sense now because people I've heard that people say that all the time and I'm like I don't know what that means I'm wearing the same thing <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you said that so your inspiration was let me just make sure I get it right uh, so a fusion of cultures between European American and Arab right correct so in f is that is in fashion do you think it's really important the beauty of it is the meshing of different kinds of cultures. Is this something just personal to you? I think it's not important in fashion. I think it's something in a fa the fabric of society. So, for example, okay. um, walking down the street in Dubai, okay, you find people wearing traditional wear, the Arab traditional wear. Yep. And then you and I today are wearing our colonizer's clothing. So it's Western clothing. That's yeah, that's true. Okay, true. So this is the idea of mine. You're either wearing something very traditional, which probably hasn't been reinvented since uh, for uh, yeah, yeah for a few hundred years. Yeah, or we're wearing what the West or our call previous colonizers sure. or whatever you want to call it, this clothing. Okay. So when I came in, I'm like, no, I want to be able to wear something. Oh, there we go. Uh, something that is a mesh between both because I am wearing my colonizer's clothing, but I want to Arabize it in mm. a way because yeah. this is who I am. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the whole. Um, and why I say like European clean, because like I went to an Italian school, like there is no way that everything has to happen on a pattern, on a paper. Everything mm. had to like so, be measured. Yeah, uh, yeah. It wasn't like, oh, let's throw fabric and like, no, <laughs> that's not how Italians were. Like it had to be like the tutor would or the teacher would walk around with like a ruler measuring every single thing when we're creating. And it was just like as hectic as possible. So that's why like I say that with European clean cuts because that was how it was. That's how it was. Um, and what are the cultures or what are like fashion things or cultures do you like that maybe in the future you'd like to incorporate into your clothing as well? Is there one that you like you've had in mind, but like you're just trying to figure out how to bring it in? A lot. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, you, I, I think you know me and we've known each other for a long while. Like, I am obsessed with travel. Mm, yeah. Um, I tend as when I get the opportunity, I love traveling and really getting to meet people of different cultures. 
But yet again, I always kind of look at it and maybe maybe that could hinder me or it could be my source of power. Sure. Is that I, as an Arab, well, modern Arab, let's put it that way, as an Arab and that with that blend, how do I translate it to myself? So even if I'm inspired by a Japanese culture, mm. but how do I view it as mm. an Arab uh and how do I want to consume it? Yeah. How do you want to portray that thing that you like? Exactly. Okay, I got you. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and one thing I was thinking about, so if you go like Japan, you go Paris, you go Italy, whatever. Everywhere in the world has like, that's how they dress there. You know, that's the fashion there. So I was thinking, I'm like, does Dubai have one? Do you know what I mean? Like, does Dubai have like a fashion, like staple, a culture? Do you understand what I mean? Like, oh, that's du- that's the Dubai look. But I don't think so. I don't know. What do you think? You know, I think you'd be better at judging. I don't think there's a Dubai look. I think there is a personality that you kind of people have in Dubai, mm. which tends to be more of kind of... People tend to dress up more here and more designer bands, etc. True. Uh, the amount of brands that you wear on a single day in Dubai will make you a target in Europe if you were walking down the street, right? (laughs) Like, you can't pull that off. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) that is it. Or it will make you a target in anywhere else in the Arab world. But, like, so it's... It's interesting how to see it. Like, you can actually tell, like, oh, yeah, this is such a Dubai thing because, like, the comfort of us kind of wearing stuff and being over the top and mm. etc. I think that's a very Dubai thing. Yeah, I think I would. <laughs> <laughs> it's always over the top. Yeah, it would be. No, I think I would agree. I wanted to come back to, so, when you were first starting out because um, I know, and like you correctly said, like, to start a fashion brand and to start all that it's like it's very difficult and it takes like and it requires a significant investment too so like when you were starting out at the beginning what was the what was like the vision you had like what did you want to do and what are some of the challenges you were facing like right when you started out because i'm sure you've learned a lot in the last few years (laughs) okay um interesting so i think the let's rewind a bit and i'll tell you like an important kind of aspect of it sure so i always wanted to be my or start my own thing ever since i was really young okay. like that's something i knew deep down yeah um so actually upon graduating i just started my own uh, straight away straight away um i had certain experiences interning here and there with other people um but it was more of like a business inter- uh, internship sorry yeah Um, so the mistakes that you make, and I wanted to actually speaking with my parents, I sat them down and I was just like, we're going to, I'm going to do this and we're going to do this. And they're like, why now go like, I don't know, find a job and then figure it out and then see if you want to do it late, like work for someone. Sure. And I actually told them, I'm like, I'm actually young, dumb and like, uh, stupid that I'm able to dream. Um, if I do grow older, uh, I'll have like consequences to, or I'll start thinking of why I shouldn't be doing this mm. because yeah. you'll, you'll be stable, you'll be, etc. So it's just like, oh, I shouldn't be taking the risk. I'm comfortable. 
so I actually wanted to capitalize on kind of the opportunity, that yeah. chance in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted sure. to, I knew like you're young, you're dumb and you're stupid and you're willing to take risks. Like take it. Yeah, for sure. Um, maybe if as a now, I, well, uh, almost turning a 29 year old or 29, almost turning 30. Uh, if you told me today, go launch your own thing, I'd be like, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> a few years back, I would have like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And when so you, so you, when you were starting out, was it just yourself, or did you start? Did you immediately start hiring people? And like, how did how did you kind of get yourself like up and running? So, well, it was just well registering the company and doing all that. Of course, it was just sure. on my own, and then we hired. Um, a tailor that was our first hire that managed to not show up to work anymore after a month before the first fashion show oh that's a great time to not right? show up <laughs> they went they went on vacation and never came back okay. uh and then uh yeah that was kind of a month before my first fashion show so, so see sometimes i really appreciate it that i had that stitching techniques done um so i sat behind the sewing machine finished some up things up we i also had a friend who already had her studio set up and i went rushing to her and i'm like please. hey please <laughs> um so she was able to help as well so uh, with her team and me finishing up some of the work at home we were able to showcase for the first time for the first time yeah well and did you feel that was like in the past, looking back over the last few years, that, was that the turning point? Like that first show? Or did it come, do you feel like the turning point came a little bit later? The turning point of what? Like, like from, ta- like, to be, to like, get you like that, really took you from like, just, you know, someone unknown to someone like, oh, now nah, everyone knows. No, 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 that took years and years yeah. of self-reflection, uh, self-sabotage, <laughs> the whole <laughs> mental ups and downs of it sure. to kind of realize that you're like, oh, okay, I'm able to do this. Um, no, no, it took years. It wasn't that. That w- wasn't the turning point. That wasn't the turning point. No. But it must have been amazing that first show to be like, wow, I made like, I did all this. Yes, but I think it comes with a lot of, like, um, to be honest, a lot of um, maybe baggage or Arab thought of, like, yalla, what's next? Like, you can't enjoy this. Like, yeah, yeah, yalla, yeah, what yeah. is the... Oh, what is the second thing? You need to capitalize on this and get going. You can't, you can't be there and enjoy the moment. Yeah, that's true. No, I can, I can, I can relate to that for sure. Everyone's always looking at, like, oh, I have this goal. You like get close to it, and then someone once told me on the podcast, like, once you get to your goal, you're already looking at the next one. So like, mm. you never really enjoy like you're like what you actually like achieve in the end. So that's true. And how? What do you think about the fashion industry here? Because from what from what I remember when my ex was starting trying to start out a business, if she found it like very difficult, it was like quite saturated. So is the same thing now, or like how do you kind of stand out in a market like this that's so international as well? Like, okay, so the I think it's so young, mm. like there isn't the infrastructure. To be honest, is so being built, like it isn't present. Okay, it isn't. You don't think so? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Everything, everything, like compared to cities abroad, the infrastructure is still being built for the fashion industry. Uh, There is a lot of regional talent. 
but um, at the end of the day, it's really nurturing it because okay. um, I feel like, again, we'll go back to it. People still, to a certain extent, don't believe that's a real job or that's a real career. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah, I, so people kind of either funding or anything of that sort is limited because mm. really do you want to bet? Because in the fashion industry, you're betting onto kind of someone's brain or someone's head. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's it's true. not something on paper. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's intangible. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Where the numbers can help you after a few years to prove that, yeah, my sales are, etc. Yes. But then again, um, you're changing your products every six months. So mm. traditionally, let's put it that way. Sure. If not less. Yeah. So imagine like, okay, so this is how I kind of, because relate it to people. Sure. If you sell this bottle of water, a hundred years down the line, you're still selling this bottle of water. Your product hasn't changed. Okay. You might change the packaging a mm. little bit, but the essence of it is it's this bottle, bottle of water. water. Yeah. We're changing the contents of this or whatever this product is yeah. every six months. Yeah. So walk into a store every three months. Your whole product range has changed. That's true. It's not continuous. It's yeah. not, yes, a t-shirt and pants, but... That color might work. That color might not work. Like you're changing everything about it. Yeah. So it's not a constant product. That's why you're betting everything, all your manpower, your cash, etc., on a brand new product. Yeah. It's, that's forever changing. Yeah. Um, and I think people don't realize that people see it as a risky yeah. uh, venture. Yeah. But I don't because for me, it's like you're betting onto someone's creativity and... Um, mind and all of that so if his if they are able to retail or sell product a then they're able to really play around and sell everything yeah but you, you need it sounds like you need like one at least proof of concept or proof of success like success that makes you feel comfortable to continue down you know that that path else yeah and that's actually a very good point that you said uh, the water bottle example is great that you are changing so much every few months and it's almost like you're starting a new business every three months because it's an investment and they're like, oh, will this take off? But the time frames are really short. It's not like uh, I'll wait two, three years to see if this worked out. No, I'll know in a couple of months if this worked out or not. So that's really true. And um, I was thinking because I, coming on to this, uh, the point you just mentioned, I'm like, does, I'm pretty sure you would say this, but does fashion need to constantly evolve? This is what I mean. Like, your brand, for example, like you said, every every couple months is a with a ready to wear side, probably new collection, new things, whatever. But like, there's an essence of like a brand or like a fashion brand that you could like. I could look at your clothes and be like, oh, it looks different, but I know that's it. Do you understand what I mean? So, what's the is does it have to con continuously evolve? And how do you keep, I guess, that essence? How does that come? Um, I think that essence comes naturally. Okay, because it's how. I consume what I see yeah, and then how I put it out to the world. Okay. So I, I, I imagine myself as a filter. Okay. So I go around looking for inspiration or I see something and I filter it in. Yeah. It goes through my brain and gets jumbled around and then I produce something. So the essence is the same thing. It's my visuals. It's my process. It's my way of thinking. So that's how you see consistency in a way. Okay. okay. Um, and to kind of 
Um, and does fashion have to evolve? Of course. We don't wear the same things that our grandparents wore. True. I think That's true. politics uh, and the underground scene, uh, social issues, everything of that sort changes our fashion sense the day to day. Yeah. That's like uh, I think that's that's a good point. You don't I guess I never considered how much like all these factors that you wouldn't think have anything to do with fashion still affect fashion at the end of the day because they're affecting culture, right? Correct. Yeah. And if not we're the kind of number one thing for culture uh because you're your own billboard in a way. So you're representing your culture or who you are as an individual. Yeah. I love that that saying. That's awesome. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna steal that, guys. Just heads up. You're your own billboard. That's beautiful. Um, I was thinking. One thing I was thinking about is I get with like you're ready to wear the ready to wear side. How you could price that because I think of it like a normal business. I buy X. There's a multiplier on it. Blah blah blah. But the challenge that or I don't understand is when it comes to the one-off pieces because how do you price something like that? Do you, I'm, I'm just cu- curious uh, in your in your idea, is it because there's hours that are spent on it, it's so detailed, there's, there's probably special types of fabrics, so there's so many different elements, including your time and like cr- the creativity to make something like that, that you would price into what you'd sell something like that for. So how, does, how do people think about that? Or is it just completely subjective? No, it's the same way. Oh, it is? The same? Yeah, oh, it's really? the same way. But okay. like, for example, instead of like a t-shirt taking an hour, this takes a month. Yeah. So you're, or like the stitching takes a month instead of an hour. So let's put it that way. It's a, it's multiplied by a larger um, kind of, uh, by a larger amount. That's why it's more expensive, but it's almost the same way. Uh, so the same, same kind of like setup and stuff. It's just, yeah. I guess you pr- factor in the man hours that, oh, take, yeah. that come, that go into putting something like that. Yeah. Because with these one of a kind pieces, it's the materials tend to be more expensive, but the sure. most of the bulk of the cost is not the materials. It's a man hours. Mm. So if you're embroidering, um, let's say a dress, it can be made of the purest silk and the silk materials, crystals, etc. But if it's taking an embroiderer for three, four months to create it, that is more expensive than than what the actual like what you're using is. Yeah, yeah, the time investment in it, and that's actually a good point. So. When it comes to like fabric, because like for example, when I go get a suit, you know the price is typically the higher the or the higher the fabric, the higher the price of the suit standard. So, but I think with other maybe more to like your your everyday, for example, the more casual stuff. Is is it really important? Do you always want to have like that best fabric, or is can you sometimes make do a lot with good technique with a fabric that might be cheaper? Okay, um, that is a good question. You're able to do that. You can do that with... But yeah, but like you can't lie to your consumers. Of, of course not. Yeah. Of course not, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're able to really play around with... If you're using the right materials and you have the right eye for materials, you're able to use anything. That's why some people can create pieces out of um, recycled material, plastics or anything of that sort. Yeah. You can, everything can be made out of... So, fashion, if, if yeah. possible, yeah. So, and uh, you said something interesting now, having an eye for the fabric. So this is what I was thinking. So does a fashion designer, because it's a fashion designing, it's a, it's a skill, but there's also, as people say, you have to have an eye for it. So 
does is there like a like let's say you and another person you train same amount of time but there's that innate talent that eye for fashion so is there like can that be developed over time or do you is that something that you just have no you you learn it so you really okay. learn how each fabric is weaved mm. um what each fabric is used for um certain cultures how they've historically used this fabric because at the end of the day, not every fabric, like it's not every manufacturer in the world can produce one, uh, all, all the fabrics. Yeah. So, you know, historically, like the silk route and because it was the silk was produced in China and then eventually because they've used it first, how they've manipulated it. Cotton, cotton is like one of the best cotton manufacturers previously and the best quality is Egyptian cotton. So you really touch into that and you look at how they've used it they've people have used it for centuries so yeah um and you take it from there take it from there and i've noticed today you've in a lot of the points that you talked about you've really talked about the history mm. behind behind all this is that it sounds like that's such an important part to like that comes into like fashion knowing the history but not just focusing like what is going on today but like bringing or understanding why it was that way in the past and how it affects now I think it's just, um, I'm a history nerd in general. Okay. So my focus has, ever since I've been a child, I love history. I consume history books. And like, I love that. Mm. It's kind of being like, it's being like a painter. You know, you, you need to know your art history. You need to know how, why at this moment, this painting was so important. Mm. Uh, yes, you really need, to, it's the same thing with fashion. That person deconstructed this, that person used that. You really need to understand that because like in every single field, um, let's, uh, let's say, uh, maybe let's relate it back to architecture or engineering. Mm. Um, maybe someone built a house in a creative way that you don't need to use um, any foundations or anything of that sort. That's part of the history of mm. uh, architecture or engineering yeah, or true. use the foundations in a certain manner. So, yeah, you can't forget it or disregard it. It's part of it's part of it. It's part it's of it. It's still relevant now. Yeah. Um, and one thing I was thinking about is, you know how some <laughs> I hear people talking like or like girls sometimes saying, oh, this is like not in season anymore or that. And I'm like all these big brands, they like for some as time goes on, like let's say for the fall season, this is the new thing that's like exciting. This new thing. But mm -hmm. I'm, in my head, I'm like, why do you who like why do you decide that? What if I wanted to wear something like that? that but the outside perception everyone's gonna look at me like oh that's you know that's old stuff okay so i generally i, I don't want to say i agree with that or disagree okay and i will relate it back to depends on how you pull it okay if you pull it off um there is a certain style let's say that's adopted with the general public exactly yeah but we, again, as I mentioned, we're a seasonless brand, etc. Um, like, I think we also, as a society, are moving towards a certain dimension that are very individualistic in a way that we want to kind of wear what represents us as individuals. Uh, we want to showcase, um, we want to make a point or we want to, we love who we are and we just want to show the 
the world. So I think we've come to an era where it really depends on personal style and what you want to do with it. So there isn't something to me that's, yeah, maybe certain details, elements, sometimes you're like, oh, that's such a nice piece from a vintage piece or something of that sort. But then let's not forget, like, vintage has become in style as well. So I feel like that's completely irrelevant to us. Maybe in the early 2000s, I would have agreed with it more. Mm. But I don't agree with it that much right now. Okay, interesting. So times have changed, basically. Big time. Big time. Yeah, everyone, like you said, is now it's about this is how I don't care what the style is, what's going on. This is how I want to wear this, is how I want to represent myself. Yeah. Okay. And what do you think now? Let's say, okay, you said that, that was interesting. So you said in the 2000s, early 2000s till now, you could have like the style probably played a bigger factor in like how you dressed. But now that things are changing, what do you think like moving forward now, let's say for the next like 10 years, what do you think is going to be the new the new thing? Is it just going to be like heightened that individ individualism or do you think there's more things to come? I think definitely heightened, heightened individualism yeah. because right now we are living in a pandemic world as well. Sure. Um, I think if you're showcasing or you're you're somehow now wearing getting dressed for yourself, not for anyone else. Like mm -hmm. imagine how many mm -hmm. how many outings you've reduced in this year or anything of that sort. So every morning you're more likely you're like ah maybe I'll see someone if you're going out. <laughs> it depends on which country you're in. Sure, sure. But most countries you're currently under lockdown, so yeah. it's like oh, I'm not seeing anyone, so I'm getting dressed for me. Yeah. So that it will heighten that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe in certain elements. So for example. Work clothing, a lot of people and we're forecasting or are forecasted, forecasting the work outfits or work clothing is not going to be back or sellable uh, until 2022, maybe. Mm, that's true. Yeah, actually, you hear like a lot yeah. of people be like, I haven't worn a suit or like a shirt in like eight, nine months now because I've just been at home. Exactly. Yeah. So now, yes, the trends do change. So we have to follow trends in a way that we have to provide products that are more comfortable. Um, for example, right now, as we're producing and designing, so we're thinking more comfortable pieces, pieces that you can throw into a washing machine, no problem, because as now everyone, as soon as they come back home, they just uh, throw their pieces. Um, so things like that. So it's just... Um, uh, certain elements it's how culture uh, affects it again it's yeah. not it's external factors that you have to adapt to that's true that's true so on the concept of trends who decides who sets the trend you know what i mean i think because it's the people it's the people you think whatever yeah. everyone starts to like move towards that is now the new trend I, th I think it's the people with an element of um creatives so the creatives in general because how do creatives get inspired? It's from their surrounding. Yeah. So it's the creatives presenting something that people feed into it. Yeah. And then they set the tone for the rest of the world to follow. Sure. So it's somehow the people feeding inspiration to creatives. That's that's kind of where, yeah. So yeah. that's actually interesting that I've never looked at it in that way because I thought it was just, you know, the... I guess the big boys, the big fashion brands in the world, they are the ones who set the new trends and that everyone else kind of follows, but it's almost the other way around. They're seeing this is where everyone's going, so let's start making it like that so everyone continues to go that way. Exactly. Yeah, okay, I never, I never thought of that. Um, looking back 
over the last uh, few years, Zaid, what do you think, what advice would you have to, let's say there's a young, there's a young person now who wants to get into the fashion industry, given everything you've been through over the last couple of years, what advice would you have to them? A very interesting question that it's definitely hard to answer. I think as creatives, I think the biggest advice is that we create because we're more in touch with the world or who we are as individuals. And I think we tend to get lost in a way, especially when you add the pressure of, you know, at the end of the day, you're a business. You need to make money to keep the lights on. Mm. Um especially as a if you're lucky enough to have someone to run the business while you create that you're in a very lucky position sure yeah but if there isn't and you're running the business and you're creating i think it's um really kind of enjoying the moment for what it is and i think it's over said but yet again because the day you lose yourself you're going to lose your creativity Ah, that's great advice. really kind of put your mindset, do what makes you happy in a way. I know the world will factor in, will push you down, Mm. um, everything of that sort, but always be ready for it mentally. Be in a good place. Be in a good place. Always thrive to be in a good place. That's the most important thing. Yeah, that's. I think that's really great advice. And like you said, losing your, if you lose yourself, you lose your creativity, I think, a lot of people, a lot of the creatives in the world could probably uh, relate to that a lot. Because I'm sure at points, everyone in that world has felt that at some point. <laughs> Especially <laughs> this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and because um, uh, I asked, I had someone on the podcast who is a music producer and I asked him, and I think it's similar with fashion. I asked him, you could like look back at, like how do you know when like a piece is done? Because I bet you, you look back at some pieces you made and you can be like, Oh, I could have done this. I could have done that. I could have done that. And he told he told me it was just a feeling, like an intuition. He's like, now it feels complete. Is it the same with fashion for you? Like when you make a piece, you're like, now it's done. Okay, so I make a piece now. I say now it's done. Yes, it's an intuition. Yeah. When but then like again, it. like maybe two months later, when I see other things and I kind of go through certain experiences or anything of that sort. I can say looking back at that piece that wasn't done, so I need to kind of push it further. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I guess you could constantly do that. Yeah, right? you have it's, to. It's, if yeah. you're not moving forward and you're not seeing your mistakes or what you've done in previous pieces, there might be perfection in that moment. But then... Mm, yeah. As you get better, you'll be like, oh, it's not perfect anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. if you're not moving forward and you're actually seeing what you're producing is perfect all around, then... There, there is a question mark. That yeah, there's something, there's something yeah. going on. Okay, that's oh, that's very true. What would you say is uh, the biggest thing you learned when you like from launching the business to now? Like, or what was the biggest mistake that you made it like in the early days? Uh, early days, losing myself. Losing yourself. To yeah. Getting too is it? And that was, And when you say that, you meant does that mean you became too focused on making this a business and not like you know that? No, you, no. I think it was just pressure, um, pers- pressure that I've placed onto myself. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You want to be. Yeah. You want to yeah. be successful, of course. You want to be successful, and you kind of want this to happen overnight, which is not <laughs> realistic whatsoever. Mm. And you start realizing that 
oh, I wanted to be there. And it's goals that you've set up for yourself that are completely unachievable, unrealistic. Mm. Um, you start going down that. And you know, it's the problem is, is that when you go down that spiral, you just go deeper and deeper and yeah, deeper that's into true. it. That's true. Um, it, it's just nature. It's not something that you can handle. And I think it's that moment realizing that what I have is good. Yeah. And I, I think it comes from a point of, yes, I'm privileged enough to have it, then I should appreciate it for how it is. Mm. I see the constant growth. I see the uh, me evolving as a person. And then you start, I, at that point for me, sure. I start realizing I'm like, yes, no, I need to kind of pick myself up and give give myself uh more credit for what i'm able to do mm. and then push forward uh i think that is the most important thing i think i don't i don't want to say losing myself i think it's just losing yourself with your own kind of vision of yourself sure yeah. sure yeah and switching like you said switching your mindset to one more of gratitude for like your, the growth and the journey you're on and being appreciative of the work you put out so far and like this piece or whatever it might be. Correct. Um, and for my last few questions, Zaid, and thank you about this. has been a fantastic conversation. I have no, I knew zero about the fashion industry. <laughs> and now at least I know something. Um, first of all, I was thinking, I'm like, what, what, in your opinion, what are the, what's the criteria that makes a good fashion designer? Like, why do you look at that guy or like that girl and be like, Oh, she's good because they can all have you know the talent of like the stitching and all that but what is the thing that kind of makes them be seen that way a fashion designer yeah i think relevance and what does that mean the ability to capture that emotion if i may say okay so it's the same way that you're looking at an art piece okay a lot of especially with fashion designers and creatives you are not relevant until later on in your life <laughs> that seems to be the case yeah a lot of i think it's just the creative's curse a lot yeah. of artists do not sell pieces until they die yeah. um so it's more or less that it's just uh it's how relevant you are to the viewer and you might not be relevant at that moment of time you might be ahead of your time yeah so yeah it's not something to kind of it's the whole point of it is just creating Cre yeah. create yeah you'll find an audience whether you find an audience in this lifetime or right. you might <laughs> leave a full-on collection for generations to come just create you yeah. have a voice and use that you have a voice and you have a talent that you should capitalize on yeah yeah so yeah it sounds like it's it's almost timeless because you don't know when it's going to be relevant yeah yeah Okay, that's very interesting. I never thought of I've never never thought of it that way before. And another question I have is when you look back over the last few years, I th I think I have an idea of what you what would be, but I'm curious to see what you'd say. What are you most proud of? Oh. What am I most proud of? I think what would what do you think it is? Uh, me personally, I think it's the yeah, I think your probably your growth as both a person and as a creative. I think that because I think it both play into the work you've done and the work you've put out. That would be based on our conversation. That would be what I say. It's true. Personal growth. Personal growth. Personal growth. One hundred percent. 
Um, and don't forget, it came in at a very critical age. So whoever, over the past few years, whoever I was as... I was pretty young, so when it's a time where you're growing your personality and getting to know sure. yourself even more. For sure. And adding your work on top of it. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely... So it's surprising that the opportunities that I sometimes would say no to right now, mm. I would I would have died for. But back in the day. Back in the day. For sure. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Like some things fall into my lap. I'm like, no, that's not us. Yeah, I'm yeah. not doing it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I would have like been like, you're such an <laughs> idiot. Like my younger version would be kind of disappointed. Yeah. But it's interesting. It's just like, you're like, I know who I am. I know what we're able to create. Yeah. I know the team around me. And yeah, that's. And would you say that your work and your creativity is. I think what's cool about what you do is your work is kind of a reflection of like how far you've come. You know what I mean? You know, like I know I grew as a person and I probably got better as a creative. But like when I look at like this piece that I made, like let's say this year, for example, and I look at the first piece I ever made. You can it's like a visual validation of no, you've improved. You've come this far. Would you agree? I agree. But when you're producing, so this is kind of something that I always look at. Mm. When I'm producing a piece, it's uh, or I imagine one and I create it. Yeah, it's like a snapshot of your personality and who you were and your experiences at that That's moment. A, nice. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you are happier as an individual, or like you're going through certain stuff. So that snapshot is way better than what you're creating right now sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you're in the ditches. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so sometimes, yes. Like maybe, let's say put, put, let's say put it that way. Um, your techniques, your creativity, a lot of things start coming to you e way easier mm. just because of like experiences that you've gained. Of course, yeah. Um, but then again, to kind of take that, dreamy aspect you're really sometimes you're like oh yeah i was like there this yeah. is like my happy moment that's why this was produced yeah. yeah no for sure um no i think that makes a lot of sense and like you said when you're in the ditches it's hard to probably look at it so looking at it as a snapshot is a lot more enjoyable i guess and yeah. more relevant something you something you can remember like oh that moment that piece that's how i felt oh definitely and for my last question zay this is a question i ask all my guests is what is the message you'd like people to take home with them today? Ah, oh, interesting. I think it's... Um, we are all kind of capable of an output. Um, and we are representatives of kind of our previous generations, who we are. We're very individualistic. We are the outcome of all of the world of uh, what is happening culturally what's happening socially especially even uh, our grandparents or our parents we are the outcome of all of that and your voice should be heard whether it's a creative manner or whatever you're doing so don't get discouraged by anything and i think just put it out there in the world and eventually you'll find someone or you'll find your own tribe mm, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and yeah, like never kind of give up because how whatever you think of or the way you think and the way you create, for especially for creatives, it takes a time. It takes a lot of time, and you you are the outcome of all your experiences, your parents, your grandparents, previous generations, and just put it out there. There's someone there that will appreciate it, or you might be a beacon of hope for someone. True, that's yeah. very true. So, like you said, put your voice out there because you'll probably eventually find someone that's gonna listen, or a lot of people that might listen. Your audience, your tribe. Yeah. And just acknowledge, luckily, we... So acknowledge kind of your privilege in this world and you might have opportunities that are uh, more than other people's would have or more than other people would have in a lifetime. So yeah. capitalize on that. Yeah, for sure. Look at your privilege more than kind of the negative side. I think we had a lot of self-reflection. And this year. This year. <laughs> for sure. And so, yeah, that's kind of the simpler way to say it. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's really, really, really great advice, man. I think anyone could relate to that, and especially for people in the creative field, to remember that you do have a voice and that you should, like, do your, like just keep creating, and eventually you, like, put it out there. You'll get what you want back, and then hopefully if you can continue being you know, doing what you're doing. I think a lot of people can relate to that, and if anyone's looking to guys to get into fashion or whatever, this is the guy you need to talk to. Uh, and I learned so much from our conversation today. I wanted to say thank you so much, Zayd. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me again. It's thank a pleasure. You. It was a pleasure, man. Guys, to everyone, thank you so much for listening. And as always, hope it helps. Peace.